Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how are you now, Scott? What's the crack? Head on you on the price turnips. Give a shot, yeah. I will, yeah. Scarlet for your man for having you. I am a bound to pick with you. You legends. He's bleeding massive. Langer. What a gee bag. Come back, boy, like. It's ballsy. We ever get home. Hi guys, Nicola here from Tis Yourself Podcast. Thought we'd put together a little compilation of the best bits of season three. So if there's an episode you may have missed, we'll have a little clip here and maybe it'll tempt you to go back and listen to the whole thing. So I hope you enjoy. And do take a scroll back through the catalogue. See if there's something you missed or something you might enjoy. Chat to you soon. Yeah, it was great. And then obviously everything went on with, with work, which was um, disappointing and um, unexpected because I do, you know, I, I think the, the fact that ev- what everyone's been talking about is the sort of hypocrisy of it and yeah. the fact that I've, the reason that I've done shoots of that nature um, my whole life from being like 17 was from my association with the show. And I've always enjoyed those shoots. Like I've, I've never had a problem with them, but but the, the point was, is that, you know, I can now be in control hmm. of them. Um, and obviously there's a, the monetary uh, side of it as well, um, which is great. You know, that would, was giving me additional income on top of not being very busy at work. So that all made sense. Um, but yeah, I never expected <laughs> One, for that to happen, but also two, for them to announce it. So what happened within the next sort of, well, that day um, was that they announced it to the press and then all of a sudden there was this whole media frenzy because it was, I think because it's so controversial and because people have split opinions on it, um, it, it just went crazy. So that the next like four weeks after that were mental, but it's been the best thing that I've, I've done and I've got zero regrets and I'm in a much happier freer place for sure she's a tough woman and i mean that in the nicest possible way um she's i've surrounded myself i've been surrounded by tough women and strong women i don't mean tough strong is the word i'm looking for by strong women all my life my mother was strong my three sisters are very strong and i think i couldn't avoid but be with a strong woman um and i've uh, i've like it's funny i work with uh, i work very closely with 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 women and i love it and i find in this industry i find there's a huge gap there's a huge um i'm not going to go strong and say chauvinist mm-hmm. but there's there, there's an element of it in this business there's very few female managers um and if there are they get very little Sut, as my mother would say, um, and I and get they get actually they don't get respected enough 
in my opinion. Um, and I've seen that firsthand. Whereas I've I've stopped to meet in a meeting. I've stopped to meet as soon as Tina was disrespected in a meeting. That meeting is over, and that'll never happen again. And I just can't. I would never abide disrespect towards any any woman. I think everyone is equal. Um, my sisters are equal to me. My wife is equal to me. My I have a man. My, my manager in Australia is a female, Karen Lee. Um, real tough cookie. Um, and we call her Mick Dundee because she's really she's really tough. Um, and uh, and I just find it. I find solace in around that kind of. And I just think I think women have a great way of separating the wheat from the chaff and and clearing the clearing the, the shite out of the water. I think they have a great, a brilliant ability to do that. And they make you see very clearly, very quickly. A couple of the girls I didn't talk to for about five years, we had a big falling out. And it was lovely that we're back together. It was something and nothing that went on and on. It's a shame, but we're over it now. We're back together. And, and that was the first time we'd actually worked together. And it, it, was, it was very emotional. It was lovely. And very what brought you back it. together? Well, I, well, we were talking to Bernie and Maureen about a year and a half, actually, before Bernie even got terminally ill. Mm. And they were fed up and we were fed up with it. Linda and Ber- uh, Collie went on a bit longer, stubborn. Um, the, the row we had, for me, there was no way past it. People said, she'd get in a room and thrash it out. I said, no, what we'll do is we'll thrash each other. Because yeah. unless people are willing to say sorry, what you have to do is you love each other. You move away from it. You move on, which is what we did. And what happened was I, my fellow's 70th birthday, Colin was very close to him. Colin was the last one we talked to. And I said, look, it's Tom's 70th birthday. I know he'd love it if you were there. And she came. And that was it. We didn't mention the row. It was as if we'd never been apart. And now we say, how stupid were we? We'll never do it again. Any rows will never dis- descend to that ever. It's not worth it. There's other families in my family who've fallen out and not talked to each other for years. I think it's awful. Yeah. I want to say to you, do, do you hate each other? They go, well, no. Well, fix it then, you know. I know. If, if you've no love left, then great. But if, if you still love them, you've got to sort it, you know. There's, there's, there's an old-fashioned stigma attached to soaps, mm. which I don't really like because it's just, you know, not for me. I don't mind it when... People are not sent necessarily in the business say, oh, you're going to get known as that, you're going to get known as that. And it's a bit like, be quiet, you don't know anything about it. You know, I don't know anything about plumbing, so I won't tell you how to fix the downpipe, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I don't mind because they, they don't know, but people who are in the job, I don't like it when they're not working, they turn their nose up at it or, or they get a job in a soap and they go, well, I'll only do a year. And you think, why? Just ride it out, enjoy it, you're working, you're getting paid and you're going to learn a lot. So you know so to do it and embrace it and 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 enjoy it and i think doing eastenders by doing hollyoaks first i was at a bit of a head start on the way soaps work mm-hmm. they're the most hectic thing you'll ever do you know you're learning scenes and five scenes a night before you do five scenes the next day and once you've done five scenes you've got to go you've got another five scenes and then you're going to go and do them again the next day so it is crazy and they'll throw it on you in the morning and go that scene you've learned ignore that has changed there's this new one now so you've got to be you've got to be able to change pretty quickly and adapt um, so I had that head start so it wasn't as daunting as it might have been had I have not done a soap before which made me really lucky to be able to 
take it all in and embrace it and enjoy it and 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 enjoy the time I've I've had there. So I, I you know I would say anyone that's looking at gets a soap off and do it. And there's as I said, there's a stigma attached to it. But I know some great actors that are in Game of Thrones. You know they're in they're in Peaky Blinders. You know you look at you've got and Natalie Emmanuel, Emmett Scanlon, people like that that are literally smashing it. You know, they've got work coming out of their ears, whether it's in Britain, America, whatever the job is, they were in Hollyoaks. Mm. You know, so it, 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 it is irrelevant. It's, it's how you had, if you go in, you do a good job and you keep, you know, you go under the radar, you know, in, in, in your sort of the public eye, but you just turn up and do a good job and you smash it. That's what you've been known as. You've been known as a good actor. But if you want to go and you want to do it for a long time and you want to do all the other stuff that comes with it, then crack on and do that as well. But I think in the old days, a long time ago, if you know when soaps were sort of you had four channels, everyone had a soap, and that was all everyone watched. It was very difficult to be seen as something else, but it's not the case anymore. So I think I, anyone that gets the opportunity to do it, you won't get a better training ground than a, than a soap. Was there a point that you were kind of like nearly wanting to disassociate yourself with that because you were trying to be like, because I know a lot of people, I know Ardle for a while didn't want to be like associated with Father Ted. He was trying to be taken serious as an actor and stuff. And you have to kind of do a full circle. Like, just have to acknowledge that that was what you're from. But were you kind of, I don't want to be known uh, anymore. I think so. Yeah, maybe for a while. Yeah, I, I was... Uh... Oh, no, I'm embarrassed about mentioning that all the time. Anytime I go on TV, it's always that's the they bring that it's always brought up, but um, yeah, but now, yeah, but now obviously you come full circle and go, Wow, I'm part of something that was just absolutely amazing, and I'm uh, really happy to be um, associated with it. And I was talking to Ardell on Tuesday there for the podcast I'm doing yeah. there, and uh, he said he's something similar in that. People thought he was, people think he's innocent and stupid mm. and uh, because Father Douglas. And he went out of his way for a while to be appear very intellectual and use big words and stuff like that. That was how he kind of tried to push back again yeah. because, yeah, because people do really think that you're, uh, you're like your character. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a certain amount of, anyone who's in Father Ted though, there is a certain amount there because it was cast so well, there is a certain amount of their personality in the character they're playing. And that is, even in, even in Ardell, that kind of innocence is part of his personality as well, or apparent innocence, anyway. And um, the same would be with me. I would say I was kind of had a, a bit of an attitude and a bit of a rev. And they saw that in me and cast me in that role. It, it like it is and it isn't easier today because also you've got the, just the amount of music that is being released every day and the amount of singers, songwriters, and bands and DJs trying to make it and trying to carve out a little section, it, like it, in the whole entire world, like it's it's ridiculous. Like there's there's so many acts you know that are constantly trying to to break through and so many that just don't make it or don't make, and just fall by the wayside. So. I suppose we were kind of lucky in the fact that we were kind of one of the lucky ones that we got signed straight to a UK label. Um, and I remember like the first time we came back to Ireland and we were signing copies of our first album in the office, the Sony office in Dublin. 
and they were just like, where did you guys come from? Like, we never heard of you before. And we're like, we sent you demos <laughs> like years ago. Like, so they obviously just got fired, like fired in the bin because uh, we sent we sent demos to every label that had an office in Ireland as well as the UK, you know? So, but that's the thing, you know, everybody just kind of assumes like, where did you guys come from? Like, what's your story? And we're like, we've been a band for years and we've sent you demos before and we're just ignored. So for every kind of one band that makes it is, hundreds and thousands of bands and singer songwriters that don't you know so it's, it's all about kind of being right place right time i suppose like i can't remember what the extension to the contract was but it was only i think it was only a few months um and then uh it was so well i think the story was so well received and Tamman um, did such a great job in the aftermath after I left as well. And uh, she did such a good job, actually, that she had to do it again because it was too traumatic um, for the audience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was such a big story that then they, they brought me back and, they, and then they extended the... Because he was, he, he was a very well-drawn character. Like they, you know, there was... Because he, you know, they, yes, he was, he was kind of originally a baddie, but then bringing in the brother element and the fact that he was bashed, it kind of gave him this more, uh, you, you got more empathy for him. And then obviously he saved every single member of the family from various different disasters over the, over time. That's why I met a, a snake, um, was when I was saving Kirsty's, uh, uh, Shelley, Kirsty's mum from the snake bite on a, on a, uh, in the middle of the bush. Uh, that's what I laugh at like the you know Kane is meant to be this guy he attacks this poor girl who everybody likes and everyone's like yeah oh keep Kane around don't send her to prison I know I know and and Danny ended up going to prison that was the thing it was like oh my god yeah it was it was that was I think the scariest bit about uh you know people would come up and be on your side and I was like okay I I don't want to I don't need to know you <laughs> so, no, no, he actually did that. He, he actually assaulted her. So, um, yeah. Ah, that, that was very hard, like, because you'd still miss it. Like, um, I think the final straw for me was probably to, the pay and the conditions. Like, that's what done it for me, like, you know. And it's a pity, like, because you, you lose a lot of guys from that, like, and a lot of senior guys, like, you know, because if the pay was still good, I would have been still there. Actually, probably the four of us would have been still there, probably in a training role now, training young guys, but you yeah. still would have had that experience, like, you know. Um, so that's that was the main motivation factor for me and it wasn't like and obviously enough the recession hit and you lose your, your wages and that like but the amount of wages that I lost was half my mortgage like you know and it's only when you sit down and talk about it then yeah. and then someone that's and I, I kind of ignored it for you know the best part of two or three years because I love the job so much like a lot of us joined the job not for the money but for the love of the work and the love of what, you, what you're doing like you know because yeah. in there there is no crazy promotion the ladder like you'll get to sort of a rank and you'll, you'll stay there but lads stay there because they like doing the job but it comes to a point then where you need to look after family and you need to look after things outside as well and that's yeah. it's, it's very it's a very difficult choice like uh, it was very difficult for me to make like you know and I just it was just when I sat down and done the figures and I just thought to myself you know what I'm on call 24-7 like mm-hmm. all the guys are they're on call 24-7 to go anywhere in the world like and if I go and work in Dunstores for this many hours, 
I actually get paid more money like and I'm, I'm going I'm special operations like for yeah. you, you know what I mean and it was it was really difficult to try talk to other SF or guys other operators around the world because they will tell you this is what they get and then they you tell them and they go oh my god like how are you still you know so that was really it was very hard for us as well kind of embarrassing for for want of a better word like Definitely. When I was younger, I was always wearing a Man United jersey. I was like my mother. It was a torture to get me into a skirt. I remember my <laughs> communion day. As soon as I got home, I was jumping around the bouncy castle and she was they screaming at me to get out with the dress because I was going to ruin the dress. <laughs> but no, I was kind of I was a real tomboy. Like I was always in a jersey, always in tracksuit bottoms, always walking around with a ball. But no, when I was younger, yeah, I'd just be kicking around, kicking around the ball at the estate. I'd, I'd say I wrecked my neighbours' heads. Uh, kicking the ball against the wall every day but no yeah I think yeah definitely it's it's a weird one like it's oh definitely yeah 100% I always said that's what I want to do I want to play football I remember even my friends always saying like they always want to be teachers or something like that whereas I was like no I, this is what I want to do Any anytime in school we'd have something like that but I would be drawing pictures of me running around with a ball playing for Ireland and Man United back in the day that's what, what I wanted to do but no, yeah, I definitely did. That's that was my dream when I was younger. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of every little girl's dream now that plays football. That's that's where they want to go. And then obviously, as you get older, it becomes a bit more realistic because there's it's not as clear then when you get older. Um, obviously, in the last two, two, three years, even more, there's been more pathways. The the likes of a few of the girls from our league have gone abroad, have gone overseas, have gone to the English leagues, have gone to the WSL or the Championship, or even the Scottish leagues. Um, they've gone to Glasgow which is it's great to see that there's these pathways and a lot of the girls are getting agents now and that there's definitely more links nowadays but I think that's only recent in recent times that they're kind of scoping from our leagues they're kind of taken from the Women's National League which is which is great to see it's a pity for the clubs in Ireland because they're losing such good quality and it's hard for the league here in Ireland to kind of progress into a semi-professional league when we're losing all of our good players there's a ripple effect to it but it's really good to see that there is some sort of a pathway for the, the female athlete that want to kind of pursue something. I tried, I tried like loads of different things and and I think that a lot of times people are like, oh, do you think that's because that place is a bad place or this? The truth is every single plan, diet plan, organisation, they all work. But what I was not focusing on was what was above my eyebrows. You know, I was focusing on what I looked like aesthetically, what I, you know, would one day I would be happy when I'm X stone or X size. And I'd never really focus on the mindset and the mental health side of things. And, you know, now I really, really honestly, you know, my journey is so successful because I know that I'm doing things to make me happy and not what society is deemed as perfection. So once I wake up in the morning and I know that I'm going to do my best for my mental health, my physical health, my aesthetic wise, all of it marries together eventually. So I booked a gastric bypass, I cancelled it. I had ordered diet pills online. I'd like from a very young age, I was trying to do, and I hate saying the word quick fixes because they're not. And I hate that anyone's like, oh, it's the easier way out and stuff. Absolutely not. If you sit in the mindset of where the person is at when they're ordering diet pills from America because you Googled it and found it. Like that's a that's an incredibly hard journey. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's what I'm trying to get across is, you know, it's not you that fails. 
but it's it's the whole thing around you. It might be it might have been what you were focusing on, and it might have been that you know. I always believed I was going to be the chain smoking overweight chef that looked after everybody else but not myself. And the truth is, you have the you have the right to change who you think you should be. And Aslan had signed. We just signed to EMI. So I had the blonde hair, the white, the Billy Idol, Billy Idol. Hair. There's a photograph up there. I'll, I'll show you later. But I had the, the Billy Idol hair and the black leather jacket. It was, I thought I was the bee's knees. So I walked, walked into the Dole office and I went, how are you? I want to sign off. And I was like, all right, okay, okay, okay. So she gets out the phone. And she says, <laughs> right, name Billy McGuinness, yeah. And, and what, 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 what are you going to be, Billy? What, what are you signing off? I went, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> so she, she, <laughs> she wanted to tell him, right, now get this, right? We, <laughs> we signed EMI, we released Feel No Shame, went to number one, Chrissy got involved in drugs, the band broke up, right? So I'm back down, I'm back down in the door. Right, and I'm going in, <laughs> and I went up. The blonde hair, the black leather jacket, and there's a queue. I I went up and I went, Harry, I want to sign on. It was like something out of the commitments. And she she says to me, Oh yeah, what's your name, Billy McGinnis? So she pulled out the file and she looked at the file and she said as loud as you can, Ah, you're the fella that went off to be a rock star. <laughs> How did that work out? <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> I, it's like that even around the whole vaccination thing. I remember, like I was, I was on the train or something, and I was I, I always so aware. Not as much now, but for work and stuff, you're probably the same. Like you have to keep testing all the time, so. Yeah. I was very cautious. I wasn't really going out. I, you know, would get the train around the place and that and would absolutely wear my mask. I remember one day I had read on Twitter or something that the latest uh, findings had said that the fabric masks weren't doing what they should do as such. So if you can layer, do. So I was on the train and I had a fabric one and I had a, one of the disposable blue ones over it. Ah, people were messaging me said that's ridiculous what are you doing and I was like if I want to wear a team if I want to wear a, a, a bikini made out of masks I will it is it, that's my own thing and I remember the, the funniest was when I was wearing the fabric was people used to message me would you not iron your mask it's very creased <laughs> people are dying and I haven't ironed my mask ask my slice oh, you know sweet. what I mean like honestly Honestly, I was, the word for people said, like, ask me bollocks right there, and you said, ask no, me bollocks. I know what I mean. I, I, I don't know. People are too much feckin' time in their hands. I'd I, 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 I like to think that, you know, I, I keep the rest of myself presentable. You know, the hair is done, the clothes are on. So, you know, give me, I, I'm running out the door here grabbing that mask. You know what I mean? So, like, did you ever iron your mask? No. Oh. I, Jesus, oh. I've been lucky to find one. I bought about five yeah. and yet every day they were gone. Where were they gone? Oh, so. they, Masks became the new lip balm. Oh, you, you, you use it once, gone. Yeah, gone. Wonder where it was. You know, <laughs> find it like you know the car. It was a Carmex lip gloss. Yeah, yeah. that. That's, yeah, I, Nicola, I honestly buy at least one a week. Oh yeah, at least, and then you'll find it in a pocket. 
in a bag. I, I, I don't know where they disappear. To. And I, people, I, I, some people say, you know, oh, you should like, um, you, you can make a little hole in the top of the car and put into a key ring on your key. Then I, then I know I'd lose my keys. So I'm not even going to tempt fate with that. It would literally be Karmix, like, keys are gone. Gone, that's it. So Karmix is designed to be lost. I was like, I, I felt like I'd been working for like 10 years. I was like, Jesus, this is tiresome. I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore any much longer. I was like, I need a break. Um, and that's when I decided to go into the villa um, and just take a break and just maybe find love, maybe do something else. Just, I think I was just so overwhelmed with trying to be perfect and trying to do this and trying to get this done and be this person and be that. And I think... It was just too much and I just needed, I just needed a way out really quickly. Do you, do you know, did you know at the time or do you remember, I remember when you, they announced that you were going into the villa and it was a case of like, a scientist is going in? Like it was like eyes and they couldn't believe that someone with like a really, what would be perceived as a really, you know, good career yeah. was going in and going into a show like that. Like maybe it missed you because you were already in the villa, but I remember people were like, oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it kind of happens with like nearly every kind of contestant because I know it happened to Dr. Alex the mm. year before and he was a doctor. I guess I know why, but at the same time, I don't. It's like, okay, I think with the stigma of reality TV, everyone thinks I don't need people who are stupid kind of go on. But it's like, why can't I have a science degree, be really intelligent and want to find love and have a great summer like everybody else? Like, why do I have to strip myself of that? Like, I don't know, that's fun just because like I... I have a science degree and a lot of people forget that like, yeah, I can go back. Like Dr. Alex has gone back now um, and he works like he, he works in, in medicine and he's having a great time and I'll probably go back sometime soon, but it's like people are so close-minded and live in this like tight box where they feel like just because you're one thing, you can't be something else. Mm-hmm. And I can't be something else. I, I would like to think that like my five years of like university isn't just thrown in the bin and like three years of working in like biofarm isn't just like gone in the bin like I'd like to think that I'm still a scientist I'd like to think now that I'm an author as well um, and I, I, I just I want to be everything I want to enjoy life I want to like literally grab life by the balls and do everything I can and I don't want to live in a box I want to be different I want to do something great you know Um, originally they told me I was going to be a bombshell and then just things change I mean producers of the show things change all the time like so it happens to a lot of people where they get told they're going to be bombshells and then just how the way the show goes and like the storylines and stuff they just adjust it like pretty much day to day so then I found out like a two or three weeks a week before I was supposed to go in they told me I'm going to be in Casa so yeah that's kind of how it works to be honest it must be like really strange being in a show you've watched for years and years as well it's not even like you're acting you have to go in and be yourself I know, I know. And that was the thing. I wanted to go in there and not like play up to the cameras and I wanted to be genuine to myself and hopefully that didn't change my personality and hopefully it would shine true on camera. Obviously didn't get really much airtime and didn't really, didn't really obviously find love in there either. But I'm just, I'm happy to say that I just stayed true to myself and didn't, uh, didn't change myself too much for the cameras. I well, I can't watch myself, so I, I'm not going to. But um, so you haven't watched yourself on it? I have, like you know, like one, like I had a party for my big episode, and people came and watched it, and then I would watch it again. Well, sorry, 
you always watch the, an episode of yourself to see what your hair looks like and to hate yourself um, and to hate all of your acting choices. And then you maybe watch it a second time if you have to put it on your reel. And then you're stuck mm-hmm. watching it over and over as you edit it. Now that I'm a professional actor, <laughs> edit all my own stuff. Um, yeah, nobody wants to. No, because you can't. You're stuck. You just do the thing and then someone else has a say in, in which version they choose and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And so since you can't change it, you're like, no, but I want to fix it. <laughs> you're like, why did I put my hand like that? Why didn't I, you know, stand yeah. a di- little bit different? Yeah, I, it's like when you see photographs of yourself and you're like, I really thought I looked cute that day. Yeah, it's a lot of that energy. So which yeah. clip did you put on your reel then from Buffy? Oh gosh, I don't even remember. It's not on my reel anymore because you can't, you can't keep stuff. It has to all be like within the last few years because you have to be representing what you currently are looking like. So sadly, it's not on there anymore. Well, apart from the, you don't have the frosted tips anymore that were very on trend in the 90s and would look weird now. You still look the same. Oh, how dare you? Thank you. But no, I don't. But I... um. I do regret. I would love to go back in time and tell me, tell myself to not do my own hair color in season six. <laughs> and then I also would like to go back in time and to season seven and say, don't pay professional to give yourself frosted tips. Just don't do the frosted tips. 